Welcome to the Pod Buffet, your selection of five-minute tasters by podcasters from around the world. And this is the Saturday Digest. Perfect for that late breakfast or early brunch. Enjoy. Yes, we've heard of Be More Pirate, and some of us have encountered Be More Camel. But what about being more alpaca? On a day when the final outcome of collective decisions that will affect the whole world is probably not yet clear, I thought a light-hearted invitation to be more alpaca might be rather attractive. After all, alpacas are calm. They rarely rush around, and their gentle disposition soothes those in their vicinity graceful. They are such beautiful creatures you can't help but smile when you see them. Distinctive. Don't be fooled by their cute appearance. They have colourful individual personalities. Shrewd. They weigh up the situation and carefully consider the options. Hardy. They're adaptable and cope well with the cold though Welsh damp sometimes goes too far. Inquisitive, they're curious and interested in what's going on around them. Nothing gets past them. Inclusive, how they look out for each other, especially for the youngsters, is heartwarming. We've had our alpacas here in the valley for over 12 years. We've learned a vast amount in caring for these beautiful creatures, and in return... They have enriched our lives hugely. Excellent. Thanks, Sue. So what do you think? Would you like to be more calm? While this applies to all of them, well, okay, most of them, Haney's a great example. She's a lovely dark fawn female who looks at you from a distance, but is also happy to stand around a bit closer. Laid back is a great description for her and also for her friend Talia, who often seems to disappear into the group, so you hardly notice her. But she's always watching, but happy not to rush around. The other thing to know about Haney is she is a fence wiper. She comes alongside, then pushes up against the fence, dips her front shoulder, and pushes her flank and rear end into the fence. It must be very satisfying if you're an alpaca but it really makes my friends creak and occasionally the posts, if they're a little rotten, will crack and go floppy. Another replacement needed. She applies her shoulder and side to the hay feeder too and because it's on wheels, starts it wandering around the stable. I'm sure I didn't leave it there. Be more alpaca. Be calm. How would you like to be more graceful? I think we all dream of this. Graceful and with poise and bearing, like a ballet dancer with optional tutu. This would be Hermione, elder states alpaca, who stands with presence and bearing. Our first sighting of her in the field captured our heart. 
She also stands and stares, but is so clearly graceful in the way she moves, even if her old bones means it's a little slower than it used to be. That seems familiar. Owenna, our Lodge Brown, dreams of being graceful, but is large, and sometimes is oblivious to where her front feet are, standing on and in buckets, or even on her firstborn Kriya, who was just in front of her, and who Owenna felt needed protecting from me. <laughs> well, mind you, she can do a lovely balancing act on her hind legs to reach those high tree leaves the others just can't get to. Lovely brown eyes to go with her brown fleece. Definitely graceful and alpaca are two words that belong together. Hello, I'm Annette, and thank you for listening to my podcast. My podcast is called Annette on Education, and I'm happy to bring you some information about it to Pod Buffet number two. I'm an evolutionary biologist by training, a scientist by nature, and I look at numbers, I look at issues, and I try to come up with some solutions to those issues. What got me so interested in education as an adult, besides the fact that I love to learn, was raising three children in the Texas Panhandle. They all attended our public schools, and I could see that it was so important to have quality education, not only for my children, but for all the kids in our school, in our school district, and across the state and nation. I am a passionate education advocate. I served on the Amarillo ISD school board for 19 years, and now I'm a regent at Amarillo College, our local community college. During that time, I started looking around and seeing some of the challenges that we faced as a society and how all the interactions either did or didn't occur in the community to improve the situations for so many of our families. And I decided to try and do something about it. Almost 20 years ago, I pulled together a group, now that would be called a collective impact group, called Panhandle 2020. And we've done a lot of things in our community over the years. Our organization is now dormant, but the work continues. You'll hear about that work on my podcast over time, how it has expanded not only regionally and throughout the state, but across the nation. Pretty proud of a lot of that. And I've met some amazing people along the way, passionate folks who really care about doing what's best for their community and for all communities. And I have to say, I've met some folks who aren't so passionate about doing what's best for everyone. <laughs> and that brings me to the point that much of the work I do now interacts with legislative work. My focus is primarily Texas, but of course, these issues don't stop at the Texas border. I've become involved reluctantly in politics to the point that I actually ran for the State House and the State Board of Education. That really opened my eyes to the systems we have and some of the challenges those systems create, not only for folks running for office, but also for the opportunities so many people do not have. 
I guess you could say my adult mission statement is to try to create opportunity for others that either I lucked into, my children lucked into, or that we were able to create for ourselves. You'll hear about the work we've done in Amarillo. You'll hear about the work some of my friends do across the state and across the nation. Huge focus on equity, the challenges of poverty, and of course, on education. I hope you'll listen to my podcast and share it with others. And feel free to reach out to me. I'm on all social media. You can find more information about me at my website, AnnetteCarlisle.com. And I only have one in in Annette. <laughs> That's always a challenge for folks. Uh, but please, I hope you like my podcast. I hope you learn from it. I hope you continue learning from the Pod Buffet. Thank you to Steve Etherington and others for putting this together and sharing the work of so many wonderful podcasters. And I've been at this now for over a year, thanks to folks like Steve and Seth Godin and Alex De Palma, who did the Podcasting Fellowship. I'm now lifelong friends with some of my fellow podcasters and coaches. And if you want to do a podcast, you should take this course, the Akimbo Podcasting course. I did it to share the information and the work that we've been doing to introduce you to some of my wonderful friends and co-workers. And while I thought this work was important over 20 years ago, this work is more important than ever today. Stay safe and keep learning. And thank you for listening to Annette on Education on Pod Buffet. The thing that about trust that I find really interesting that Goethe's quote polishes is that we talk a lot about getting other people to trust us. And we are at the receiving end of having other people try to get us to trust them. We don't often think very hard or long about trusting ourselves, which it, you know, so as a coach, this is, this is like probably 90% of my job is to help a person see their unrealized potential and the promise that they have yet to deliver on and to help them see it in a way that once they see it, they can't not only unsee it, but they can't help, you know, they can't sit with that tension. They have to do something because trust leads to action and action leads to change. So trust is the most, one of the most important parts of that process of, of change making, difference making. But if you don't trust yourself, how can you possibly get somebody else to trust you? I feel this way about empathy. We talk about empathy all the time. Put yourself in somebody else. I mean, right now we're in the middle of, you know, the whole social justice, racial justice, you know, dealing with all the problems around diversity and equality and inclusion. And we're asking people that have lived with privilege all their lives to start to put themselves in the empathic process of understanding what it must feel like to have been on the other end of that equation. And there's a lot of resistance in the culture. We've seen it. I think a big part of that is because we haven't learned, you, you cannot practice empathy for somebody else if you can't practice empathy for yourself. And I know that people like us have gotten this empathy joke, this trust joke for a long time. But still, I don't know how you guys feel. 
But if I talk to other people the way I sometimes am talking to myself, I wouldn't have anywhere to belong because <laughs> I wouldn't have any friends. I wouldn't have any customers if I were speaking to them the way that I sometimes speak to myself. So again, it's this idea of catching yourself, not walking the walk and talking the talk that you're making every effort to do with and for others, but not able to do that for yourself. So when you trust, when you learn to trust yourself, you will know how to live. We totally need to steal that quote from you, Scott, because it's not mine. <laughs> <laughs> we a hundred percent agree with that because we have this framework of, we need to cultivate trust within ourselves. And then we can start cultivating trust with others, which then allows us to cultivate trust at scale. And I think everyone kind of wants to jump ahead to the, the trusted scale, right? Especially if you're selling a, a product or a service or you know you're running a business you're a marketer but so much of that starts with trusting in yourself and your own product and i think as another coach i can attest that yes that's that's most of the work because that's where we find the most resistance we have all those inner monsters that are telling us that we're not good enough products not good enough etc cetera, etc cetera. and that really is the basis of doing the work as you said and it sounds to me like, I'm not sure if it's your stoicism, I'd love to hear from you, but it's, I know you mentioned that the way you talk to yourself isn't as kind as maybe you talk to everyone else, but I've seen this incredible sense of trust in yourself and the work that you do. And even the way you speak about it just embodies this idea that you you truly believe in the product that you're giving others and the services that you are helping others move forward with in their life. And do you have an idea of how you cultivated that trust in yourself? So I just want to stick a pin in one thing that resonated as you were speaking, Rick, and that is the relationship between trust and worthiness, because that, especially with the internal trust is a really important lever that, you know, we can't get to feel, we can't own our worthiness and we can't trust ourselves if we don't have that sense of worthiness. To answer your direct question, our friend Seth Godin has this thing that he says about acting as if. And acting as if means the opposite of acting like what if. So the what if is, oh, what if it doesn't work? What if I embarrass myself? What if I fail? What if they're talking about me? What, you know? And instead we act as if we are already succeeding before we're actually succeeding. It's a way that we learn to walk and talk and read and write and cook and everything else. Thanks for being here and hope to see you again soon. Pod Buffet, the eclectic mix of podcasts from around the world. Brought to you Monday, Wednesday and Friday with a digest on Saturday morning. Just in time for a late breakfast or early brunch. Enjoy.